Welcome back to Crestor, a purposeful life driven by endurance. We're here with episode eight. I'm Dan, and I've got Pat here. You want to say hi, Pat? Hello, everyone. Awesome. We've got some really cool stuff to talk, talk to you guys about. We've got our normal um, routine of uh, the standard episode that we're back to after a couple of weeks of just kind of in mass talking about wallops, and, uh, and then this past one talking about the forward and our carrier qualification. So we're back to kind of a fun episodic uh, experience here. And we'll jump straight into it uh, with our weekly wrap-up. Pat, how was your uh, past week and a half or so? Busy, um, but good busy. So, yeah, I think I had previously mentioned um, my right calf was kind of giving me a little bit of pushback, but, you know, ultimately it's, it's feeling good. Um, I, uh, I have my 10 K race tomorrow, which I'm pretty stoked. So this week was once again, just, just aerobic based training, um, putting in about, about 49 miles a week is my volume right now. And yeah, the calf feels great. Um, I was able to get some dry needling by one of our, one of our buddies, uh, spouses who was kind enough, um, to take time out of her schedule to help me out. And uh, another thing I did is um, I actually have a leg-leg discrepancy where my right leg is 1.2 centimeters shorter than my my left. And I've always kind of had trouble with my right leg between my calf and my hammies and kind of continue to work itself up towards my lower back. And uh, I actually took these custom inserts out about probably a month ago. And, uh, I was still, all I was doing instead of having the custom inserts, I was just doubling up normal inserts that come with your running shoes, like your Hoka's in my right shoe. And then my left shoe, I'd have no insert. And, uh, I don't Uh, think it was really, um, it wasn't providing enough support that I needed. Um, but between, um, taking a couple of those days off of the longer distance and, alternating in some you know yoga and spin and then throwing in my uh my inserts back i feel great um there's still a little bit of residual tension yeah it's it's a big victory um it feels good i uh sunday i had sunday i did 12 and it was one of those runs where i got done and i just wanted to keep going but i knew i should stop so i stopped (laughs) Um, nice. which there's two victories there. One, I had the, you know, mental strength to stop when I was, you know, high. And then two, I would finish feeling that great of where I just want to keep going. Yeah. Um, can, so can I interrupt fun. you? Uh, I want to, yeah. I want to hear and uh, have our listeners hear a little more about the dry needling and, uh, what that is and like the purpose of that. Yeah. So dry needling, um, 
what it pre what it is is um it's a very small needle it's pr in regards to the diameter of it but it's about two inches in length and um, the purpose of it is to kind of release these small little they're called trigger points so your muscles will almost kind of um, tighten up in a specific spot and by utilizing these needles you can work around that spot and actually releases the tension in that area of the the muscle um but it's extremely painful um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know you're literally penetrating your muscle and based off of the size of the muscle um it can hurt for only you know 15 minutes or 24 hours so um I had some done on my back where I've had some surgery in the past that I have some, you know, leftover um, fun that I have to constantly do some PT, but it's all good. I, yep. you know, still moving. Um, and then the calf, that one, that takes some time. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's kind of like two process of the dry needling. There is just the single point where they're using the needling and they're finding the trigger points. And kind of as you are poking around, you can see the muscle spasm, which is kind of indicating that you're hitting a trigger point. Um, and then uh, the other one is where they'll put the needle in and they'll find the trigger point, they'll leave it there, and they'll actually attach electrode. And uh. the electrode will just kind of send a pulse. And I've had it on my hamstring before, and it's pretty gnarly. Um, you literally could feel the nerve ending go from the hammy all the way down to the end of my toes. That was on my right foot, and then all the way up my back. But Jeez. it was like magical. It was pretty <laughs> cool. Um, unfortunately, a lot, not a lot of insurances cover it, so it's kind of out of pocket. Mm. Uh, depending on which studio you go to, it can be fifty bucks to eighty bucks. So. Around here in the Virginia Beach area, it's probably like fifty to sixty dollars to go get some dry needling. Um, yeah, but it's extremely effective. And if you're, you know, in a high volume, um, kind of in the larger volume of your training build up for a specific race, and you need a not a quick fix. Well, it is a quick fix, but it's I guess it's extremely effective. You shouldn't. It's not like putting duct tape on. It's um, I I would pay the fifty to sixty dollars to go f find a, a physical therapy place that has the certi certificate to do that, the qualification, and I mean, it could save you from being off training for two weeks and reduce it from two weeks to just like two days, and then you're back at it again. It's pretty. It's amazing. Yeah, um, it's fascinating. I've so never yeah, had it that, done. That's dry needling. I was really excited yeah, to hear cool. about that. Thanks for thanks for talking us through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, the the running's been good. Uh, I have my 10K tomorrow, which is up in Williamsburg. Uh, it actually goes amongst the CND Canal, so I don't know if you remember, Dan, when we... Or not CND, sorry, the Capitol Trail. But yeah, yep. uh, the photo that's on our... Uh, on the the podcast when you look that's actually dan and i doing a race up the cap or a bike ride up the capitol trail we did a uh, yep. 100k and uh there was a triathlon going on in that little park 
Yep. Remember the triathlon? Yeah, so right next that's to where the, the start uh, is for the bike bike stop station thing. Yeah. Um, so there's the good thing is there's a bridge that I get to run. So I get to a little bit of hills, not just flat. Um, maybe good or bad because I've been <laughs> running only flat. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have that tomorrow. Um, my coach wants me to go in with tired legs. He doesn't want to be fresh. Um, and I was telling Dan earlier today, I was, I had a four mile run, um, today and I was kind of, you know, debating on whether I should just do like two and roll out and kind of make sure my legs are fresh because today was just one of those days where, you know, you go into work early and the next thing you know, it's three and three thirty in the afternoon and you still haven't done your run. So, uh, I thought to myself, coach, once you have tired legs, go do your four miles, bud. Um, <laughs> so I went and got the four miles in and, uh, yeah, coach has me running four before the race, more like a jog. So a little bit slower than what I've been doing for my zone two. Um, and then I'm breaking up the race into three sections. So the first, the first two miles I'll be doing between a six to six ten mile. Uh, coach went six oh five to six ten, but I think six um, is what I think. And if I'm wrong, he'll let me know. So it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, mile three and four will be. Um, I want to shoot for five fifty, five fifty fives, a lot of fives there. Um, <laughs> and then uh, coach went six. So hopefully doing 555s and the last 2.2 miles because a 10k is 6.2 miles um it's just gonna be kind of what i did with my 5k last mile of just focusing on my turnover and keeping a good cadence and uh just digging deep and reminding myself there's more in the tank than you know maybe my brain's telling me are you gonna so, use the same thing of trying to like chase down another runner that's ahead of you or yeah i will so um i I, i'm not really too read in on how popular this 10k is so i don't know if there'll be a lot of if there'll be some good competition the weather is looking amazing which is nice um so yeah that would be ideal if i had someone to kind of you know be my little rabbit and uh chase down but um yeah my mom's gonna be out there she's gonna bring her bike so that'll be Cool. cool Uh, so maybe she can, uh, ride along and set a pace, but I doubt it. Um, <laughs> for her just being there would be cool. So it allows her to kind of reflect back on the days where she watched me and my brothers all play sports. Just the frequency is a lot less. And now she has the grandkids to do that. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the running part. Um, you know, the flying part, we have new students, so some fresh blood, and they're starting in their very early phases of flight, which can sometimes, you know, be keeps you on your toes a little bit more, right? Because they're fresh, they they don't know the the plane that well. But I will say, um, I always promote these students going to the sim, and we have simulators that um, they don't actually provide motion so you don't feel what the plane would do in regards to the seat pushing up against your legs and turning left turning right and um but it's very good for procedurals and i think these students actually listen because um they're 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 doing well for how early they are 
uh, which That's is awesome. a blessing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that. And then last big thing I got going on right now is I'm actually in the process of um, getting my house ready to possibly sell. So, yeah. Very exciting. So, yeah. Kind of taking the time to reflect and, you know, see what's important and what time management, uh, what's important with my time management. And I think I need to just downsize. I kind of bit off on the whole, uh, you know, growing up, you got to buy a house and be an adult. Yeah. Well, different yeah. strokes, different folks. And something about I having a mortgage I, uh, is like a badge of pride in our culture. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I'm, I think I'm gonna, I learned a lot, which is good. It was great exposure. Um, and it's, you know, something I can definitely use in the future. But right now, uh, I think I'm just gonna change lanes. So cool. yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of been my weekly wrap up. It was probably a little long, so I apologize, but well, uh, we had a lot to wrap yourself, up. Dan? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. been good. Holy cow. It's been busy, but good. <laughs> um, definitely in the full swing of grad school stuff. And, uh, that's been, that's been kind of the, the yin to my athletic yang. Um, and then finding a way to fit work in there is, is the, the challenging part. Um, but it's really cool. Like, like I feel like I'm, I'm working just as hard, um, in the books as I am, you know, in the pool or, or biking or running or whatever, but in a different way. So it's like a very different part of my, uh, my brain sort of, uh, activating for that stuff, but different. I think they complement each other very well, but, but been, been very busy. And then, uh, I've also been kind of juggling this, uh, application. I, I don't think I've mentioned it yet on the podcast, but I've been, I'm in the process of applying for a, a lateral transfer, uh, to, to move away from the operational side of flying and, uh, into the basically support group of, um, the, acquisition and and kind of uh the problem solvers so to speak for the airframe so i'd still be working in the hawkeye community so to speak but i'd be helping to liaise with the engineers when we uh basically identify problems and how you can fix them uh i would be kind of uh managing a group of engineers and like helping to translate uh flight problems to them to be fixed or their engineer speak to other aviators uh which would be really cool getting to kind of deal with the technical side of things, which uh, is very appetizing to me and dovetails with my, my technical um, foray into uh, grad school so far. But yeah, that's been, that's been fun. It's been a lot of work, a lot of coordination, um, but, but very gratifying at the same time. Um, that's awesome. Workout stuff. It's been a really heavy couple of weeks by design and, it's also been extremely satisfying because I, I basically loaded up last week was a, a especially heavy bike week. So I know in the past I've talked about how you can rotate which sport you're really focusing on. So you have like a heavy bike week, but then your swimming is lower this week, you know, and then it shifts to a really heavy swim week the next week, um, vice versa. But um, this past week or last week was a, a heavy bike week. So I, up to 160 miles, which honestly should be at that mileage uh, probably a couple of weeks previous, but, um, I've just been very conservative ramping up my mileage cause I don't want to hurt myself. Um, yeah. but I finally got there last week 
and uh, and then this week I stayed there, so I stayed at at uh, 160, and then uh, I've been doing. Let's see, I did 30 miles last week, running 30 miles this week. Actually, I just held the entire thing, yeah, because I I did a 10k of swimming last week, and then this week as well. So um, basically, just like holding some high mileage, and uh, but I'm flexing the way that I do it. So last week was a lot more. Um, standard across the board for my distances for running specifically biking. I had a, a good 70 miler, um, to kind of test the legs a little bit and like my nutrition plan. Uh, but my running was like very, in a, very much in a tight band from like, like 50 minutes to like 70 minutes, I think was like the shortest to my longest run. So it was all, they're all very similar runs. Um, whereas this week I, I did a, uh, a two hour zone two on Monday, which, uh, ended up being about 14 miles. And then all the rest of my runs this week have been, you know, less than 60 minutes or less. So, uh, kind of back to status quo there. But anyway, the big thing is that, um, I had, uh, what, what I like to call a perfect week last week, which is, uh, kind of stems from the baseball uh, concept of like pitching a perfect game. Uh, which in baseball is is where you have a no hitter, you don't have any hits uh, as a pitcher, and you pitch the entire game. And the way that I've thought about it uh, since I've been doing triathlon last ten or fifteen years is that if you do a, a training week exactly as you planned it, and you don't you don't swap workouts different days or or change what you're going to do for a given workout or anything, and you execute everything as you plan to, even if it's a light week that's still a perfect week. You nailed everything you plan to do. Nothing got away from you, so to speak. Um, and I, I had that last week, which was, uh, kind of underlined by the fact that it was a very hard, you know, demanding week. And, yeah. uh, and then this week has been equally demanding and I'm set up for a perfect week. I just have one more workout tomorrow. Um, it's an to, easy one, right? Nail it out. Say again. It's an easy one though, right? Tomorrow. It's easy. No, tomorrow, tomorrow is going to be super tough. It's going to be my, yeah, you're messing with me because I told you about it earlier. Uh, tomorrow is going to be kind of my final boss of the week um, with this, this route. I know I've talked about the fact that I like to do, to ride my bike sim indoors. Uh, it's a lot safer and I can ride at any hour of the day uh, or any weather or anything, of course, um, which is really nice. But there's this route on the Zwift uh sim that I use. That's a, it's a 56 mile route, which just so happens to be half of the Ironman distance, but it's 8,000 feet of, of elevation gain across the 56 miles, which is almost exactly the, it's maybe 500 or 600 feet less than the, um, Ironman Lake Placid bike route, which is, uh, 112 miles, but with the same elevation gain. So it's like, you know, half the distance, but the same you know, pain on your quads uh, as far as climbing. And that's going to be really tough. So even though it's only 56 miles, it's probably going to take me, you know, at least four and a half hours, maybe five, you know, you're talking like maybe averaging 10 miles an hour <laughs> climbing these like, you know, eight to 12% grades. So I'm, I'm really excited about that, but it's going to be quite the challenge. And then I get to reward myself with a massage on Sunday to rebuild oh, yeah. myself after I, I break everything. <laughs> but yeah that's gonna be that's awesome. that's gonna be super fun 
Um, and then ultimately the big exciting thing is uh, five weeks to, to race day for me and uh, four, four for you. Yeah, I think it'll be. You're like November 13th or something. Three. Three? Three from. Oh, three from. Cow. Is that right? Yeah. Three from. Three from Saturday. Wow. That's Oops. amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's uh, November 12th. It's sneaking 12th. up on us. The 12th? Maybe three. Wow. Maybe four. Yep. So, yeah. Um, then. Uh, with that in mind, just kind of looking at, um, what I'm trying to do. Cause at, at this point, like I've built my fitness, right. Um, I'm not going to make any miracle strides over the next month. Um, but the ultimate goal is to not hurt myself, uh, and to maintain fitness. And so I'm starting to look at taper plans and I think I'm going to take about a two week taper. So I think three weeks out from the race, I'm going to do my final hard efforts and, uh, yeah, that's I'm just going to kind of build out from there. So, I think I'm going to take this week as a, a recovery from these past two hard weeks. I've been feeling myself kind of hitting the wall the mm-hmm. last couple of days, especially. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm going to take a, a double a back-to-back rest day, Sunday and Monday, and then, uh, and then have a light week this, that, uh, this next week. And then I'm going to have, uh, two really hard weeks and then work into my taper. So anyway, yeah. I'm just getting super excited about, uh, the race and, in the goals that I shared last, last episode, which I think are, are very, very doable. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah, I have four weeks. I messed up. So four weeks okay. ago, yep. which makes me feel Weekend a little better. Mine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. still only a month. Yeah. It's wild. I know it went by fast. Yep. Cool. Well, that was a nice robust, uh, catch up on, on our weeks there. Uh, we'll jump into the, topic of the week we have a really cool topic that i'm excited to share um this is the kind of thing that gets me very fired up uh pat and i were were i think firing each other up just talking about it <laughs> in preparation <laughs> for the pod um and that's this uh this concept of um using running as a transcendental tool in terms of religion but also in terms of just a philosophy on life and um, it comes, it comes to us in an example, a couple of examples in this, uh, this episode that we're sharing today, uh, in the form of religious, uh, exercise from, uh, from, from monks. And I'm going to read a, an excerpt from, uh, describing these marathon monks as, as they're, uh, coined and, this is from Japanese culture, specifically from the marathon monks. And this is going to kind of prepare us for a race that we're going to talk about that, uh, Patty brought to light that I, uh, wasn't tracking so that, uh, the marathon monks today, the, I ordeal these months monks endure is, is known as the Senichi Kaiho Gaio in Japanese or the 1000 day go around the peaks training as it's called the monks set out to, and occasionally one will actually complete 1000 day test of their endurance perseverance and both physical and mental strength just 46 men have completed the marathon challenge since 1885 in part it involves buddhist training and meditation and calligraphy in addition to their daily duties at the temple however it is much more than that as the moniker suggests it involves running for the first 300 days these monks run 400 kilometers per day 
in the fourth and fifth years. And just to explain that sentence, because it's not worded very well, um, for the first three years of their their challenge, they run um, 40 kilometers per day for 100 consecutive days. Uh, and then in the fourth and fifth years, they run 40 kilometers every day for 200 consecutive days. It gets worse. In the sixth year, they run 60 kilometers each day for 100 consecutive days. Finally, in the seventh year, they run 80, 84 kilometers each day for 100 days. Moreover, these runs uh, usually begin at night and are over rough mountainous terrain, and the footwear is limited to straw sandals. In addition, as they run, the monks must carry maps, books with mantras that they will chant, food for offerings, candles, and a sheathed knife and rope. And uh, gruesome detail is that in the past, monks who had failed would actually commit ritual suicide on the trail when they had, uh, you know, met the end of their their capacity to keep going, uh, which is crazy to think about. Uh, because of the many stops along the route for offerings, the time necessary to run can last as much as 20 hours, and that allows, obviously, almost no time for rest. Perhaps the most grueling aspect of the ordeal, though, is the Dori Doiri. For a period of seven days, the monks do not eat, drink, or sleep. Instead, they recite Buddhist chants and mantras, and two monks are with the marathon monks at uh, marathon monk, each one at all times to make sure that uh, he or she does not, I guess he does not fall asleep. The purpose of the sleepless fast is to bring the monk face to face with death. According to legend, sense is so heightened during this period that the participants claim to be able to hear the ashes of incense falling. So that's a really powerful excerpt. We thought it was worth it to kind of read through the whole thing, uh, talking about these uh, Japanese monks and just the way that they treat running among these other crazy aspects of the, this challenge they do um, as kind of this religious trans transcendence exercise. But yeah, very cool. So with that, that kind of sets us up for uh, some background about religion and, and as it re relates to running in some cultures and endurance and this whole idea of transcendence. Um, and we're going to talk about a race real quick. Pat, are you still with us? Yeah, still with you. Awesome. I think the video uh, is glitching a little bit. But uh, okay. yeah, do you, do you want to talk about the, the self-transcendence 3,100-mile race? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, Sweet. So this race is currently taking place right now. Um, it is in Jamaica, Queens, in New York City. Uh, the race takes place during a 52-day period um, where runners have the opportunity to run from 6 a.m. until midnight. Uh, during that period in time, uh, they run a single loop. That is just over half a mile, exactly 0.5488 miles. Uh, and over the course of the 52 days, in order to reach the goal of 3,100 miles, they have to average 59.6 miles per day. Um, some days they wow. can get after it and do 60, 70, 80 miles. And then, uh, you know, some days they can taper back and only do 40 miles, but they have to have an overall goal of 3,100 miles um, come day, the end of day 52. And uh, kind of the the gentleman who created the race, 
his two purposes for the race were one to, you know, challenge yourself physically, um, in order to be able to accomplish the goal. And then two, be able to, you know, find yourself spiritually amongst those 52 days. Yeah. Um, find the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and kind of what life all brings to you and can bring to you if you haven't experienced that can accumulate or take place during that 52 day uh, experience um and a little thing that i love 3100 miles is precisely 4989 kilometers so you know, a lot of runners like to make everything even or, you know, round up. So For your training if, you just, if you have, yeah, if you have <laughs> a desire and, you know, after 52 days of averaging 59.6 miles, you can run another 11 kilometers to have exactly 5,000 kilometers. Um, now, Pat, do you but, think there's a, a training plan, like a couch to 5,000 K? <laughs> Um, that was a joke. I don't know. You want to look for it? <laughs> like, no, there's all like the couch, the five K plans. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know, man. You never know. There's probably a documentary being started right now about it. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, it, it is just, I, I find yeah, it sorry, fascinating Joe. that it's only, they, they only allow 10 to 15 people to run it, which makes sense. It's on a half mile loop. You can't have hundreds oh, of people. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah. but holy cow, what an elite small number. I mean, I can't imagine their application pool is, is too deep because there's not many people that are physically capable of attempting this, but, but still oh, absolutely how impressive to be amongst yeah, that, I, that number. Yeah. And it just goes to show the different types of race formats are in the ultra running community. Um, and man, it's just. You know, running a marathon is one thing, right? Some people, that's their life life goal. I mean, these people are doing over twice that a day, two marathons, twice that a day for fifty two days straight. Um, and you know, if if you find interest in this, uh, there's there's books about it. There's also documentaries. If you type in self transcendent thirty one hundred and Google, um, you can you know kind of dive even more into this uh this race format and uh, i don't know it's just unbelievable it's a it's another um what's the word i'm looking for it's just another you know something that takes place that just makes you think you know there is so much more you can do so yeah it kind of breaks the mold for what you think of as as a race because of course a race we think of you know a to b um, as quickly as you can, but this, this yeah. is something different. This is a, a, a race to find yourself almost, uh, and it's being over such a small loop. It's, it, I, I wonder if that was purposeful to, to take the emphasis oh, away, I... away from the distance and focus on yourself. Do you think so? Yeah. A hundred percent. I yeah. mean, when I did that 24 hour, I wasn't looking at the trees. I was, you know, more just more internal or trying to pick up other runners that I was running with that made me stop thinking about myself. Um, Yeah, and definitely because, you know, running trails out in the mountains, you can honestly just forget you're running and you're just looking at the views. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, probably that format definitely makes you be more internal. Um, cause you know, after you see the same thing, however, you know, 32 times or 27 times in a row in a day or 120, right? If you're doing 59 yeah. mi- times, uh, or miles. So yeah, no, sorry. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I meant. Yep. Holy cow. Yeah. Thanks Dan. Dan's the math guy. <laughs> It's okay. I've got practice at it right so. now. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I'm a little rusty, but yeah. Um, yeah. So cool. That's awesome. So. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, that's our, our pretty short uh, main topic of the week. We, we want to jump into a tip of the week and that's a very short pragmatic um, recommendation into uh, post-workout note-taking and uh, what it has to offer now both patty and i do this and have done this for a while right pat you've you've done this for a good while okay um same i think i started probably i think it was my junior year of college when i got really serious about training for the ironman distance and i i made an excel document and uh formatted the excel document into like this uh this workout bank basically uh, and now I use trading peaks for the, the same, same purpose, but what it allows you to do is, um, a, it's a form of journaling. So it allows you to, uh, reflect back on your run, pull out, uh, you know, cool thoughts you had, um, you know, things you wanted to remember things that were noteworthy, uh, functional things like, you know, Hey, I had trouble like taking on nutrition or I should have brought a water bottle or should have brought a second water bottle, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Journaling can be really good to form meditation almost. Um, but also you've got uh, trend analysis, which is so helpful. So looking at, at, uh, you know, your pace and, and your times and everything. And a couple of weeks go by, you're working out every day. Like you might forget that one workout, but you go back and look at your notes and talks about, Hey, I, I rolled my ankle around in the corner at like mile two, didn't f- think anything of it, but I'm just going to put it here for, for reference. And you're like, Oh shoot. Yeah. I've been dealing with some ankle pain. I wonder if that's related to this time I rolled it. I forgot about that thing that didn't seem like a big deal. Right. That can be really helpful in identifying stuff. And then, uh, I still actually go back to, um, like in the past couple of months, I've gone back to my preparatory phase for uh, previous Ironmans and just to be like, okay, where was I at then? Cause I know how I performed. I remember how it felt. I want to see some of the data and be like, Holy cow. Yep. You know, that's really helpful for where I'm currently at and showing that I'm on glide soap or, you know, in, in the case of the past couple months that I'm actually probably more fit than I have been in the past. Do you have any other thoughts on uh, journaling post workout? Pat? Yeah. And I mean, um, one of my thoughts as well, seeing the variety in your workouts in regards to, you know, not just doing running, uh, maybe doing some type of weight training or yoga and, you know, the frequency of, of those different types of workouts and noting of like, Hey, I had a 16 week training block that was, you know, injury free 
what was taking place during that, you can also look back at those workouts and find the trends of what different types of cross training you're doing. Um, and I also like to put like little moments that took place during it. Um, yeah. Like the other day, it was, I think it was an afternoon run. And there's this couple with their like little three or four year old daughter just walking. And uh, I think it was the bridge off of Kali, us crossing. And I said, good morning to the parents. And then as loud as the little girl could say, in the sweetest way she could possibly, she goes, good morning. <laughs> and I, you know, like I was kind of a little bit of a, a not like a little bit of a down on that, on the run. And as soon as that moment, I was just like, lights. <laughs> it was just bright. Um, so little moments like that too. I guess that kind of goes more into the journaling aspect of it. But, uh, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Or, you know, so yeah. Um, <laughs> That's now you cool. pretty much nailed it right on the head, so cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I find it. Uh, I find it really helpful for, uh, for yeah. a bunch of reasons. But hopefully that that can help some of y'all who are. Uh, it doesn't matter what sport you're doing. It it's really, really functionally uh, helpful. Yeah. All and right. I, and sorry, one more thing yeah, yeah. I would say. Sorry, I apologize. Is just noting which shoes you used. Um, oh yeah. Because yep. you want to know what miles are on your different pairs of shoes and when you should then rotate them out because, um, you know, and, you look at a pair of shoes and they look fine structurally, but actually they're so beat up, you're now starting to damage your feet because there's, they're past their, you know, how many yeah. miles they should have on them. So, yeah. Do you use that built-in functionality in Training Peaks? Yep, absolutely. So I... Uh, I plug in every time I get a new pair of shoe and then I'll retire the old ones. And then, you know, after each run, put in my notes and then select what pair of shoes I use. Yep. And then it'll give me like an alert once I get within um, a certain mileage of, you know, what I should max amount at. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love uh training peaks and it's uh user interface oh for sure um our quote of the week it's kind of more of a thought of a week it's it's a it's just a thought that i i kind of voiced and uh bob ross shout out to bob bob was like you should you should kind of dig into that some more and talk about it on the podcast because it's uh I, I think it's pretty helpful um and it's specifically geared at people who don't really enjoy um cardio or maybe you enjoy like one aspect of cardio but you've had a bad experience with a, a different type like you don't like rowing but you like running or biking or whatever um, yeah but the thought is um, people don't like being miserable that makes sense people think mm -hmm. that cardio equals misery so people don't want to do cardio right so incredibly simple yeah. but why so yeah of course, people don't like being miserable, but why do people think cardio equals misery? So it's usually because they've been miserable every single time they've done cardio. Now, why is that? It's not because movement of the human body is a miserable act. It's because you're probably you either were doing it wrong or you, you gave up too early before um, it became... I don't know. Enjoyable. Uh, you broke that mold and, and uh, got past that. But I, I specifically think 
my theory is that, and I have no way to prove this, it could be totally off base, but my theory is that um, this is a zone three phenomenon. Uh, if you look at it from a running uh, specific uh, point of view, because zone three is where, and this has been tested, that if you tell somebody to just go out and run and get a good workout, they're going to go to zone three in their heart rate because you're working hard enough where you feel like you're quote unquote getting a workout and you're going to be sweating. You're going to be working hard, but you're not working so hard that you're in zone four where you're going to be truly miserable in that anaerobic zone. And so zone and zone three is the least efficient zone to be in. Cause if you're anaerobic, then you're, you're getting very, you know, discrete high gains, um, on the anaerobic side. And if you're in zone two, you're getting that really efficient fat burn, those gains. If you're in zone three, it's kind of the no man's land. Um, you don't want to spend a ton of time there. And it's also uncomfortable because you're pushing so hard. But that's what people, people, they want to feel uncomfortable when they go run because they want to feel like they're making progress. But you don't have to be uncomfortable to make progress is the, the bottom line that we're kind of talking about here. Um. So in reality, we're living between these two very helpful zones of two and four, and you're just going in the inefficient zone where you're you're burning carbs and you're not getting as much out of it. You're obviously still getting a good workout um, as compared to not running, but um, but it's also probably the most miserable. Uh, so I think people tend to go there. They they get miserable and then they think that all running is miserable, where in actuality you just slow down a little bit and you might enjoy it a lot more. And I think the same general philosophy can probably go for, for other uh, sports as well. Obviously the zones are going to be a little different in that regard, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like the, the rundown of that thought. Um, and again, it could be totally off base, but, but yeah, people don't like being miserable. People think cardio equals misery. People don't want to do cardio. That's the thought. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I even see it when, like, in the Navy when people do the PRT. You know, yeah. They have no concept of what actual pacing is. They go out extremely fast. They go into, like, complete misery, and then they just start walking. However, if they had some conceptual understanding of, you know, what pace was and, you know, slowing it down a little bit more, and they would enjoy it. One of the things I would do in college kids that would struggle with passing the physical fitness test often it was just pace and yeah i you know i would be like don't think about what you need to do just follow me and we'll get there and they were in like awe when we crossed the finish line and like we passed the prt because there is you know if you don't pass physical fitness tests um, at the naval academy there have been certain students that have been you know sent home they didn't graduate um but uh, and this is from i this might not be the same but it may also i think growing up doing sports if you didn't sweat it wasn't a good workout you know um and people that played ball sports growing up or whatever like learning how to run zone two for a long time, it almost feels useless to them. 
Yeah. Because they don't actually understand the benefits of it. Like, where they they have to go out and they have to feel like they're burning something, just like you're saying. What they're missing is that running slow, like, warm-up pace for whatever your sport would be. I don't know exactly. I'm kind of lost for words, but... But yeah, yeah, it's sorry. I think people misunderstand the uh, the definition of of physical fitness, you know, like in yeah. in what yeah. quote unquote working out is, and uh, and I think that's where where the misconception where it boils down to, and uh, yeah, they don't understand either the heart health or um, or the goal that they're trying to reach, and uh, and I think that that can be very discouraging, and uh, understandably so. Yeah. And if you think every time you go out, you have to be miserable to increase your fitness, like I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't work out if I was going to be miserable every time. I love it. You know, yeah. there's the occasional workout where I'm just dogging it and I'm not having a good time, but those are few and far between. Yeah. But they feel really good when they're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even the ones yeah. where I'm dogging it, I, I finish it. I'm like, dude, I just conquered a demon cause I, I kept going. Uh, yeah 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 cool yeah hopefully that that's uh um, stimulating uh gets you thinking about um why you work out what working out is what it means to you what your goals are uh that's kind of the the intent of that that blurb it's more of a, a call to action within yourself about thinking about it and less of a concrete uh you know scientific scientifically based uh quote or anything um sweet going into the athlete of the week we have a really really cool guy to talk about this week and his name is rich roll um yeah now we've we've definitely name dropped rich several times up to this point but oh, we yeah. haven't we haven't really flushed out who who rich is as as a person and I think uh, it's it's about time we do. Uh, we've been very excited about talking about him for several weeks, and unfortunately, we just haven't had time on the previous couple monster uh, podcasts. But yeah, um, Patty, you want to take this or should I? Either way, uh, you start, and then I'll uh, cool. I'll add in. Yeah. Awesome. So so Rich Roll, Rich Roll is um, is now a an ultra. Uh, endurance athlete uh, of the triathlon variety and and uh, he dives dives into a, a little bit of uh, rowing I think as well I could be wrong but but definitely triathlon stuff running biking swimming he started out he was a d1 swimmer at Stanford really talented athlete and then uh, got pretty heavily into drugs and alcohol while he is at Stanford, uh, got cut from the team, somehow finished up his, uh, undergrad degree, went to Cornell law, uh, and then became an entertainment lawyer all while maintaining his, uh, his drug and alcohol habit. Um, you know, just kind of making it past the finish line. Brilliant guy who, um, basically just stopped swimming when he got cut from, uh, from Stanford and then uh, you know he became this lawyer and, and was just making a bunch of money and uh, doing drugs and drinking 
And then he gets to middle age. I don't know exactly what age he was. Do you happen to remember, Patty? I want to say I late 30s. Was, yeah, that's what's ringing a bell. Okay, maybe 40. Yeah. Uh, around there. Yeah. But um, he he describes walking up uh, stairs in his house to his, his uh, second floor with, um, I think, a McDonald's bag with like two Big Macs or something. <laughs> and uh, he did a standard thing, grabbing like two burgers on his way home from work. And he was uh, going up to like watch a show on his couch and he had to stop halfway up the stairs to catch his breath. And in that moment, like his world shattered. He was like, I used to be this, this swimmer that was like, had Olympic, you know, goals and all this stuff. And now I'm, I'm stopping halfway up my stairs to catch breath with my bag of burgers in my hand. He's like, what am I doing with my life? And, um, it was just a totally transform uh, transformative moment, and he switched immediately. Um, wanted to go plant based. He was like, yeah. "I want to eat better," and then I want to also uh, start working out and just figure out how I can treat my body better. He, um, I believe, went to rehab successfully, uh, became sober from drugs and alcohol, and then. Uh, basically turned into this this ultra um endurance monster and yeah oh, absolutely and his claim to fame i think was under two years from that transformative moment to um racing in the Ultraman, which we've talked about previously but uh, it's that three-day basically double iron man event uh, it's just absolutely absolutely impressive <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, um he you know, like he definitely found himself kind of falling into the cultural norm of, you know, where he grew up in regards to like having to, you know, be a some type of corporate something, whether it was in um sales or law or a doctor and I, you know, like you said, that transformative moment, he realized that isn't what he wanted. Um, yep. And during that transformation from getting out of that lifestyle into a more plant-based and driving after uh, a goal of some type of physical challenge, he had people along the way that really helped him and his family out because he went from having a very good income to not so much money. Yep. Uh, and during that transformation and starting to build credibility in the triathlon community doing, you know, Epic five, which is five Ironmans, um, on all five Hawaiian islands over the course of five days, uh, you know, he started to build his wealth back and wanted to start giving back to others that, you know, not exactly the ones that helped him get back him and his family back on his feet, but he started this podcast called the rich roll podcast. And, uh, if you haven't listened to it, it is just, um, it's amazing. Like he has almost, he's just shy of 700 recorded podcasts as of today. And, uh, he has everyone from, you know, other ultra athletes to dietitians. um, who was the gentleman the other day that 
Uh, jo- John McAvoy. Convict? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a life life sentence, a double life sentence uh, convict in uh, Great Britain who turned his life around uh, via endurance sport in prison, specifically rowing, yeah. and uh, ended up being released and is now uh, this this really uh, motivational advocate for uh, prison reform and uh, getting kids into uh, sport you know, at a young age and, uh, there's a bunch yeah. of stuff that he, he wasn't, uh, able to do as a kid. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the true beauty of rich was you had someone that could barely walk up a set of stairs. He had a lot of money as a corporate lawyer, but you know, he felt he was at the lowest of his lows and then through, Good fitness, good diet, putting himself around the right people. He was able to just transform into this, you know, gentleman that, you know, no, maybe he uses some of his law practice, but ultimately uh, where his, you know, he's able to afford to provide for his kids and family is now through this source of podcasting and probably sponsorships, but yeah. it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, he's also got a book, um, and I know I've talked about this oh, yeah. on previous podcasts. Uh, Finding Ultra is the book, and it's absolutely inspiring. It goes into um, all of what we talked about and a lot more in uh, in incredible detail. And it's just one of those like those books that makes you want to just get out and run. Um, yeah. And oh yeah. Not only that, but also analyze. You know, he he had he had a. Uh, several of his, his axes throughout his life were very much off balance and he, he tackled, uh, kind of a, a mammoth, uh, challenge of, of fixing all of them at once. And he succeeded and it makes you want to look at your own life and see, is there anything that I'm kind of letting stay out of parameters that I can, I can reassess. And, uh, it was, it was very motivational for me in that regard. Hundred percent. Yeah, the Rich Roll is uh, is the gentleman, and uh, again, Rich Roll podcast is his podcast, and Finding Ultra is his book. Um, cool. That concludes our athlete of the week, and with that, we're gonna go and wrap up the episode. Do we have any safe rounds? Anything that we? Uh... Oh, actually, I'll start. I. I do have a saved round. One one thing that I did want to talk about in the past couple of weeks is fighting the good fight against the alarm clock and how probably my most definitive victories of the past two weeks um, involved battling some some nights of uh, not getting a whole lot of sleep, just having to yeah. you know get stuff done on a couple different fronts and uh, and waking up you know maybe four hours of sleep to that alarm clock and being like, there's nothing I'd rather do than stay in bed and then just ripping those covers <laughs> off and just getting out of bed. <laughs> Let's go get my socks on. Let's play the sock game. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man, that was such a big victory. So I, I beat the alarm clock uh, in probably three distinct, very difficult battles this past couple of weeks, and that was a big, big win. I wanted to mention that. Yeah, and then you had ten and a half hours of sleep last night, which is probably yes. sick. That was yeah. that was back to yeah. back to living. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
That's awesome. Uh, now for myself, uh, I just hope to have a good race report next time we record. So, yes, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm really excited so, to see how it goes. Yeah, it should be a good one. So, but um, did you have fun today, Dan? We had a blast. I feel like uh, I I really enjoyed getting back to our our normal template, talking about a variety yeah. of things. Um, really thankfully that you um. You brought up the Transcendent uh, 3100. That's something I had yeah. heard about in passing a while back, but um, had no idea what was going on. So thank you for, uh, for bringing that. That that was very fun to talk about. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Was, How about you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I love awesome. doing this. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, once again, one, one more plug. We didn't have any emails uh, from this past week. Uh, please send any any uh, questions, critiques, or uh, anything into uh, CrestorPodcasts at gmail.com. And we'd love to, uh, to get back to you either uh, with your questions through there or talk about it on the show to help everybody else. This has been Episode 8 of Crestor. Thank you guys for joining us. Bye-bye. See you guys.